Welcome to Life on My Terms, a podcast dedicated to helping you become the best version of yourself and take charge of your life. In the podcast, I sit down with experts in health and wellness, all the way to relationship, career, and life advice. My goal for each episode is to empower you to be your best self, become 1% better every day, and achieve everything you want in this thing called life. You can do this. Now it's time to believe in yourself and build your life on your terms. Let's go. Welcome back to Life on My Terms, all of you beautiful people. I have to say before I even just get focused on introducing today's episode, it is so great that we have such a tight community here at Life on My Terms and you listeners feel comfortable to send me messages, send me feedback, um, give me you know, real insights on episodes. And I'm just so grateful for that feedback. I just want to say thank you. Um, if you ever feel compelled to write a review or go ahead and give the podcast a rating, that would be amazing as well. And so I am so excited for today's episode. Um, I think I was shocked recently. I read three back-to-back memoir books that were about some of my favorite runners and some of the troubles and, you know, trials that sort of happened in their running journeys. And as a runner, I think I was really stunned that there was so much disordered eating involved. And as I started to uncover this, I thought to myself, wow, almost every runner that's in sort of that professional landscape has some sort of disordered eating. And then as the universe would have it, there were more and more listeners reaching out, asking questions about, you know, um, dedication versus obsession when it comes to food and feeling shame in their body and, and body dysmorphia. And so I was really excited to be able to tackle this topic. And while I have a million questions myself, I feel like, again, the universe put somebody into my life at the exact right time because I was able to meet Aaron Washington in January at Celebrate You. And Aaron is an author and former college athlete who struggled with weight and body image for 20 years. She finally uncovered her ideal physical body at 37, having two kids. Now in her 40s, Erin continues to promote a balanced lifestyle of squats and margaritas, and she offers tips and motivation to women who are working out but not seeing results. Erin hosts the wildly popular Squats and Margaritas podcast and recently founded Blue Butterfly Foundation, which is a nonprofit that provides mentorship for teen girls struggling with body image and self-worth. Erin's second book, which We'll have a link in the show notes today. From Pain to Purpose, Finding Meaning in the Mess has just released this week. And so I'll have that link for you to grab. But this conversation with Aaron is just so real. And I hope that you enjoy it and you kind of um, get the answers that you're looking for. So let's jump in. (music) 
Erin Washington. I am so happy you joined me today and you joined us on Life on My Terms. How are you? I'm so happy to be here and have this conversation and to have met you recently. And I feel like I met you at the right time. And all you mentioned off camera, there's like uh, DMs coming to you. And it's just funny. You meet the people that you're supposed to meet at the right time. And I feel like we are supposed to be having this conversation right when we are. We are definitely supposed to have this conversation. And I guess um, for listeners, like they come to this podcast for growth. And this is going to be a thick a tough, heavy conversation in some ways. Like this one's going to need a lot of self-reflection. And so I just, before we even get Erin introduced, like let's just think about the reflection we can do when we're listening to her words today, because I've heard her speak and I know how powerful they are. So before we go into your story and kind of set the scene for the topic, um, tell the listeners a little bit about who you are. Yeah. Um, I am the oldest of four girls, which I think is a thing all in itself, firstborn. Um, I grew up in Ohio and I grew up completely obsessed with soccer, put everything into it. I would train all um, year round. My sister's not so much. Um, and that was my identity and my worth. I've done a lot of self-reflection. I still don't have the answer of why only soccer mattered, mm -hmm. but I can tell a mom that if you have a child that's putting everything into one thing, you want to try to get them to diversify and not just have their value attached to one thing. But that was me. And I ended up getting a division one scholarship in college and playing time didn't quite go like I wanted it to. I wasn't used to coming off the field and kind of quit on a whim and found myself as a college sophomore with the only thing that I ever identified value and worth with gone. Um, I fell into complete depression um, and an eating disorder can kind of creep in when you have an identity change. Like, obviously I lost that identity, but for anyone listening, the loss of a relationship, the loss of a job, that's when you have to be careful. Like when you're not feeling like you used to be, an eating disorder can creep in. And I struggled uh, mainly with bulimia, but with all of them, anorexia, exercise bulimia, actual bulimia. Um, for about 10 years mm -hmm. and it became something that I fixated on. And it, it's kind of like my obsessive personality went from being obsessed with soccer to being obsessed with food and calories and weight loss. Um, I stopped the behaviors, uh, but still live my life with restriction and deprivation. Like I feel like women are taught. Um, I did cardio every single day. You could not pay me to take a day off, um, sometimes twice a day. And was completely obsessive about it. And when I lived that way, I weighed 20 pounds more than I do now. I kind of found my balanced lifestyle that I promote of squats and margaritas. Nothing's off limits. Um, listen to your body. And found my best physical body at about 37 after having my two kids. So I wrote a book to help the women that are doing it the way that we've been taught. Just starve yourself and do all the cardio. And they're frustrated that they're not seeing results. Like, I can help you. I put the book out and it was like, I thought I was writing as like my highest self. Like I made it like my physical ideal, but so much happened after that. Um, I kind of went on the spiritual and personal growth journey and my new book that just came out is a reflection of that. It's kind of like, it's how I got to my best physical body, but everything that happened afterwards, I started my platform, a, a podcast, um, a nonprofit to help teen girls. And it all kind of happened after the first book came out. So now I'm speaking to promote that book and help other women who are still in the mess to show them that 
I too, if I was in it and if I can come out of it the way I used to abuse my body, then anybody can. And just kind of not so much just getting in shape, but showing women that there's more and you can step into your purpose. And it doesn't matter if you don't know what it is yet. I found purpose in supporting other women and empowering teen girls at 40. So it's not too late. You're not too old. You can change your life at any point. Oh my gosh. I am so glad you did that. Like that, that's like the missing gap for me knowing you, I'm like, oh gosh, like what, you know, what else is to this, you know, the story of like how you ended up now where you are. And I think that's so great. Um, I know recently with all the burnout conversations and stuff that I've been doing, I have heard the fear women have about changing their career. You know, it's like, well, I make this money and there's a stability and I'm going to let my whole family down. And it's like, you are allowed to change. You're not who you were five, 10, 20 years ago, you know? Yes. And or I even love like that, taking that a career. Like yeah. I changed, I thought I just wanted to be a stay at home mom. Like I truly thought that's what I wanted to do. I changed my mind. I felt kind of itchy, just unfulfilled. Yeah. And you don't have to know what it is yet. But if you're feeling that way, I always say just start putting yourself out into the world authentically and organically, and then watch for the guidance because. The universe is guiding you to what you're supposed to do, but you're looking at your phone. Like once you start opening yourself up to it, you see the signs. I've had some crazy signs and things happen to me, but I wasn't really a spiritual person before. And it's like, as soon as you start looking for it, it's right there. And if you're feeling a little itchy or unfulfilled, start putting yourself out into the universe as you are, watch for the guidance and you'll step into purpose. I, I love that. Well, speaking of that whole concept, I yeah. feel like when I heard you speak at Celebrate You and I heard your story about the disordered eating and the eating disorder, um, I started to realize that my community is struggling with it. I've been getting a lot of direct messages, little things, and we'll talk about all those scenarios. Then yeah. I started to hear it from my mom, loved ones, and then I was just reading a bunch of books about some running icons that I've really admired and you start to see them becoming unraveled in their own journey. And while they think that the things they're doing, like, oh, I don't have an eating disorder. Yeah. Uh, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm just restricting calories on these days because of this. I think this is a huge, almost like an, it's a, it's a, almost like an app. It's everywhere. Yeah. And so I really wanted to talk today. And I think the first thing I kind of want to dig into is what does the innocent start of this look like and how does it sort of transform over time? Well, you're talking like about runners and it's pretty much the same for soccer. Like I equated thin and fit with better for sport. So it started with, I mean, I think a lot of people too, like when their bodies start to change, like I started my period yes. and I gained weight and I was like, well, this is not going to work for soccer. So to get rid of that new body and this new weight that I was gaining, I it became anorexia. I started restricting. And it's just a spiral. It becomes something. If you have an obsessive personality, it's so easy for it to look like a, a positive thing. Like, oh, Erin is so driven. Like, look, she trains all year round. But it can kind of take a left into an eating disorder. And it happens gradually. It's like, you, I would, I start, and it can evolve. Like I started with anorexia. I, I shared with you, I, I remember there was a time where I wouldn't eat carrots because they were a starchy carbohydrate. Like it was that bad. I would come home from work. I'm excuse me, come home from school, make myself take naps because it was time that I wasn't eating. I was constantly calculating calories. And because it was all in the pursuit of my best physical fit, fast body for soccer, 
when it was brought up by a coach that I was too skinny and my crosses weren't strong anymore. Um, I'd lost all the strength in my legs. I was like, shit, like I got to wake up. This is affecting soccer. But then my eating disorder evolved into exercise bulimia where I would eat, but I would calculate Amy, like literally on little note cards, every calorie that I ate, I would go on an elliptical and I would work off the same amount. It doesn't work that way, but eating disorders are a mental illness. And I thought Mm -hmm. I'm like, I'm canceling it out. And I did that for most of my high school career into my college career. And then the big one that I struggled with the most with bulimia, I mean, it took over my entire life and it's usually around depression. Um, It gives you something to control when everything else feels out of control. Like I didn't have soccer anymore. I was depressed. And it's like, well, I can at least control what stays down and what doesn't. And anybody that just has that obsessive personality, I found it a lot with firstborns because I had three younger sisters. None of them struggled with any kind of eating disorder or body image mess. They all went on to have strong division one soccer careers and they didn't take it as seriously. It's like, again, like it looked like I was such a perfectionist and so driven, but watch it, especially if you see it in a child, because it can take a left quickly into a full-blown eating disorder. And it could start as as simple as like just cutting some calories because you want to try to get faster, but it evolves. And for me, it evolved. I had every single eating disorder I've ever heard of, but nobody talks about it. So then it's, you're isolating and you don't want anybody to know what you're doing. And for me, there's so much shame. Like I can't think of anything grosser than like telling people what I was doing. So you isolate. And then when your, your eating disorder thrives in isolation, because you're not out and around people and that's all you think about. So it's, it just needs to be talked about more. If you're struggling now, you are so far from alone. Amy and I both get messages of women that are struggling and more people that just are brave enough to have this conversation. I appreciate you having me on to have this conversation. It's going to make a woman feel less alone and just kind of, I don't have the answer. I'm not a therapist or an eating disorder um, professional, but I can tell you that for me, when I channeled my obsessive nature into something else. Hopefully that's something positive for you. My eating disorder kind of fell away. I had nothing else going on. So I just fixated on that. You have to find another channel. What are you passionate about? What do you love to do? And kind of channel that. Uh, I don't know if that's the professional answer, but that is how I stopped. And if that can help somebody else, I'm going to continue to share that. That's amazing. Okay. So I want to dig in there. You've said a couple of things and my brain's like, bah, bah, bah. Um, Okay. (laughs) What about that? I'm sure it's a small window of time. This has happened a couple of times. It happened actually with my coach, my running coach last year. This notion of like, okay, well, if I lose weight, if I lose five pounds, I'm going to be faster. And so they lost the five pounds. They were faster. And then not only that, but people were validating, oh, you look so fit. You get praised. Yeah. So (laughs) talk to me about that and how that part of it, like a society, how we're, we are constantly like, and I'm looking at the picture going, she doesn't look fit. She looks unhealthy, but she was still like, well, this is a runner body. She's getting faster. Yeah. So so where's the line between where you almost have an athletic, the performance is fine. And then obviously it's going to come crashing down in some way, shape or form. But talk to me about that mindset when you're getting the validation. I kept going. Yes. You get the validation. And I would say at least now it seems like the aesthetic has changed and other bodies are being celebrated instead of a thin body. I know you and I are like exactly the same age. So we grew up and it was like, yeah, stick thin. At least that's not being as celebrated as much anymore. Um, but it stops working. Honestly, like 
I have learned so much about this. Like we have been taught calories in versus calories out. As long as you're taking in less than you're um, expending through exercise, you'll lose weight. That works initially. But when you starve yourself and you take your calories down to a level where your body thinks you're starving, it shuts off. So when you continue to do it, you're going to get frustrated because you're going to stop losing weight at some point. It doesn't matter. I was working out two times a day, um, barely eating, and I was 20 pounds heavier. And I want people to realize that like your metabolism, the last thing it wants to do is like burn fat because it's like, this bitch isn't eating. (laughs) She's going to die. I'm not going to burn fat. They're storing your fat for survival. So when you're not nourishing your body and listening to your hunger cues and eating when you're hungry, your body's like, oh, we're holding on. We're going to keep you alive. So you're going to get to a point where it's not going to work anymore. You're going to get frustrated. And then that's when it's an evolution. It can evolve into bulimia or a different way because when you abuse your body like that, it stops working. I found my best physical body when I started eating more, which women are not taught. And we need to spread that (laughs) message. Um, and it, yeah, I don't know if that answered your question, yeah. but like you get praised and so you keep going, but eventually your body stops working. It doesn't trust you anymore. And until your body trusts that, yes, she's going to eat again so we can burn this, or she's not going to work out a second time. It's going to hold on to everything. And now I in- completely enjoy my life. It almost doesn't seem fair. I don't obsess anymore. And I, I, my body trusts and I stay at this set point that I've been able to maintain. I mean, seven years through two pregnancies, not trying as hard. So all of that restriction and obsession, when we can get into it, it produces cortisol, which is a stress hormone that's making you hold on to fat. It's yeah. working against you. You just have to listen to your body. Yeah. And I think the one thing you said earlier, when you started to really dive into soccer and yeah. this sort of starting there, um, I think there is such a problem with the way that like coaches are trained to understand the difference between the male and female athlete, women are making some drastic changes in college and they're probably not even the best athlete they're going to be Mm -hmm. in their late twenties, but there's like changes, right? We've got like the hormones are hitting. We probably started our period somewhere, right? Like there's so much going on and I'm not sure the conversation is like open to, to saying like, Hey, it's okay. It's normal to gain this weight right now. Yes. Um, so when you said that, I was like, Oh, it's okay. And then it's like, you may gain weight initially, but your body is going to go to its set point and stay yes. there when it trusts you. You made me think I interviewed Stacy Sims. She's, um, Oh, she's an exercise physiologist. She used to be a world-class athlete. And she's like, we are hearing about all these runners hitting their PRs in their forties because they're fueling their body. And it's like when they were collegiate runners and starving themselves, cause you think that's what you're supposed to do. They couldn't run as fast. And it's like, now they, they eat and they're hitting PRs in their forties because they're like, I used to just ignore, I, I would notice hunger cues, but as sick as this sounds, it was almost like a win. It was like, I'm hungry, but I'm going to save my calories. If your body is signaling that you're hungry, eat, you don't have to eat a ton, eat, check in. And then there's another signal and you're going to get a satiated fullness, not full. I would say satisfied mm-hmm. right now. I just take a second. If I'm hungry, eat, don't let it pass. Cause if you don't eat, it's going to pass and your body's just going to either eat your muscle or stop your metabolism again. As soon as you feel satisfied, stop eating. And it sounds very simple, but it took me 20 years to figure that out. It's like, are you just eating in front of Netflix because there's more food on the plate? 
Take that second. Does your body need more food? I started looking at food as fuel instead of like just a vehicle to throw up or something that I had to take away or deny myself. You think of it when you go to a gas station, you have like this nice new car and you put premium fuel in the tank because you want it to run optimally. What are you putting in your body? Like, and you don't overfuel your, your car when it's full. Like the tank is full. You stop because that's your fuel. We don't overfuel. So why are you doing that with your body? Like you have to think of it the same way. If you want to feel great and have it run optimally, listen to your hunger cues, eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied. Don't overfuel the tank. And when you look at it that way, that it's fuel, that was a, a big thing for me. It, I, everything was off limits before and it, it's neutral. It's fuel. It's not good or bad fuel, it's fuel. And you can't, you got to take bad off the pedestal and things that were off limits. For me, it just made me want it more. It was more enticing. So now everything is allowed. It makes it neutral. I can have it and I can have a little bit because it's not as enticing and tempting. It's something that's part of my lifestyle. And it is a lifestyle because if you are restricting and you know, you go to a wedding or something where you just have a piece of cake or something. For me, I would be like, oh, I, I blew it. And then you give yourself permission to eat like shit for the whole weekend and be yeah. like, oh, I'll start over on Monday. Now it's like, if I eat cake, it's fine. It doesn't lead to a binge because it's something that's allowed. So I would say nothing is off limits. Listen to your hunger cues. And it, when you eat that way, you almost feel like you don't need as much because you're getting the food that you want. Yeah. And before, like, I, for example, like cookies, I would buy like sugar-free, low fat, high, high protein, no carb in quotes cookies. I would eat the whole box, Amy, because I would justify to myself they're low fat sugar. Like, so probably eating way hundreds of more calories. Now in the morning with my coffee, I have a cookie. Sometimes I don't even eat the whole cookie because when it's an actual cookie, it's like your brain is satisfied and you don't even need that much. It's not off limits. It's not like I ate a cookie, so I blew it. So I have to eat all the cookies. It's just like this kind of lifestyle of balance and everything is allowed, makes it less tempting. And when your brain gets actual food and something that it wants and not cardboard stuff that I was eating before, you don't even need that much. And it, it's easier. Life is easier. You're not stressing anymore. And it's like, all I wanted was to hit this physical ideal. And I tried so hard and I never found it. And I found it taking care of my body and listening to it. Yeah. Okay. So two things. First off, I love the fuel and the, the premium gas example. I think if we think of anything with like self-care in general, you're like, what owner of a premium vehicle or a, a luxury car has ever treated it terribly? Hardly yes. ever. They make sure it's like tuned up. They make sure the right gas is in. I mean, if we could only take care of ourselves just all around the way that we take care of a luxury car. And I mean, Amy, you can get a new car. You can't get yes, a new body. You cannot get a new body, but we're still right. like, sorry, that car has got to go in exactly for maintenance, exactly for the shine. 100%. And we're like running on fumes. Yes. <laughs> literally. Yes. What a beautiful analogy. <laughs> yes. And you don't get a new body. You can get a new car. So why aren't you treating your body like that? Or you just feel like shit and you're like, oh, but you ate like shit. Like think of it like your body. It's your fuel. So if you bad. put in premium fuel, you're going to feel great. I mean, not, you can have like uh, indulgences, but if most of the time you're eating clean, you're going to feel good and you're going to want to stick with that because you feel good. Some people just aren't used to not feeling like shit. So they don't know, like you, they don't know what it feels like to 
thrive and run at optimum efficiency like their premium car. Yeah, it's wild. The other thing you made me think of is when I had like my real candy problem a couple like five years ago. And when I say what it was, was a problem, candy problem, oh, it was like so bad. I had the mindset similar to your cookies where it'd be like, okay, bought this bag of Cadbury eggs. If I just eat it all today, you can then start it over. won't be there tomorrow. Yes. And then you're like, oh, what did I do? And then I yes. had like shame and oh my gosh. Yes, so- yes, we didn't even get into that. Okay. So it, how's that going? <laughs> oh no, it's been good for, it's been good, good for, four, but you're right. Like I now am like, I can just have one piece of chocolate. It's cool. Yes. It doesn't lead to shit. I broke it. I had one. I just, I'm going to eat the whole bag. Like you said. So I don't need any more or I'll start over. It's, it's, I lived that way for so long. It's not it. That's not it. No, no. Okay. So I just want to pick your brain on the like diet culture as it relates yeah. to disordered eating, because yeah. for my entire life, my grandmother, my aunts, my mom have always been on a diet. And I think because I was an athlete that was like just eating for survival, actually, I didn't even have time to think about what was going in my body. I ate mm-hmm. terribly back then. Talk about premium. No, not premium gas, but <laughs> anyway, but I was eating. So I didn't really, but I started to think about it more as I got older, just how every time we went out, there was like restrictions or we would go on what she would one, one week, they'd be on another diet. Then the next month they'd be in another diet. And the way that their body was like gaining the weight even more weight in between the diets. And I wonder your just your take on the whole like diet culture and like um, just your feelings about that almost being disordered eating in some regards. It's, I don't know. I, I don't know if I want to say it's disordered eating. It's not sustainable. Like a diet will work. It, what you described is exactly was, that was my mom. Love you, mom. Uh, you're doing your best. Like <laughs> yeah. I, she's still on diets to these, this day. That's how they were raised. Thin was winning smaller was better. And it was, it would work. Like she would do a diet and any diet, it's like a calorie restriction in the short term is going to work, but then you get frustrated because you don't want to live that way and you can't sustain it. So unless you're willing to make a lifestyle change, diets do not work. Like if you need like a quick fix thing, like that's one thing, like you're about to get married or something and you go on a Mm -hmm, diet. mm -hmm. I feel like that would be the purpose of a diet to make you feel better in your body. Diets are not sustainable. Diets don't work because you can't live unless you're committed to living that way, which like a, I'm thinking of like, uh, what's it called with the high fat, um, Atkins? Not uh, even higher fat oh. that, uh, what people are doing now, uh, <laughs> keto. Oh, yeah. unless oh. you are committed to eating yeah. keto forever. Once you stop the weight's going to come back. Yeah. So diets don't work. You have to make it a lifestyle and a balanced lifestyle is so sustainable. It's almost like I mean, it's so much easier and your body trusts you again. So you get results and diets were just so prevalent. Amy, I think about it too. Like we didn't have social media No. and I was like throwing up my food and not eating carrots. And I think about, I have a seven-year-old daughter who will not know what it's like to not have social media. I mean, we had like the uh, magazines at checkout where it'd be like mm-hmm. this beautiful photoshopped and edited. Disney princesses. Yes. But it's like, that's what you're supposed to look like. And now it's changing. We have Kardashians, Lizzo, like a curvy <laughs> body, but I, I don't know why this keeps coming up to me. I was uh, on a plane once and I will never say who it is. It was a reality star um, that was sitting in front of me and I could see through the seats, you know, like she doesn't see anybody seeing her because uh-huh. she's ahead of me. And I'm watching her at this time. Now I know it's Facetune, but this was like before my first book came, like eight years ago. I had no idea what this was. She had this app 
and she would like make herself like pinch to make herself bigger like her picture and she would go down her arm and her leg and just shave off a little under her arm, little under her leg. And I'm like, what am I watching? I'm watching her. And I'm telling you, Amy, this was a thin, like uh, a model, uh, cat, like a cat, catwalk. Yeah. Runway walk, model body. And she is making her a little bit thinner on the thighs, a little bit thinner on the legs. And I'm like, she's about, she's going to post it. And I'm watching this, watching this. She posts it. It's her in a bikini gets, I, I remember I looked like 119,000 likes and I'm like, there's two problems here. The obvious is that there is a 16 year old girl that's like, if I could just starve myself a little yes. more or work out a little harder, I could have that body. That body is not real. So obviously first problem. Second problem, Amy, this like stick thin model was not confident enough to post a picture of her own body without shaving off. And I'm just like, this is just it was wow. so sad to watch on both levels, like for her that she wasn't even confident enough to post this without making herself smaller. And for a girl that's like, mm, I'm not there yet. That's not reality. You're comparing yourself and starving yourself to match a body that was edited it heavily. I watched it. So like we, our girls need to know that like Instagram, there's filters, there's apps that can change your face and your body. I watched it happen. And it's just so sad. Like I struggled so much and there wasn't social media and my daughter will live in a world where there never won't be social media. Oh my gosh. That is just mind blowing. I already have my list of issues with the comparison game on social, but I never thought about this. Yes. How you I don't even really know what's real. And so no. you're like, oh my you're gosh, this yourself. is it. Yes. And that, but well, she got to this. No, she didn't. She did it. She just, she made it like you're comparing yourself to something that's not real. And it's like, just your body, your body is your body. Like I am a very muscular girl. I'm never going to be a stick thin girl. It doesn't matter. Your body is only going to go a certain place. Like, and so starving yourself and trying to change it past where you're naturally at is just like a fruitless effort. When you just like, listen to your body, your body will go to where your body is supposed to be. And once you can kind of just accept and step into that, it, I just started a nonprofit for teen girls who are struggling with body image and self-worth to have women like us, like that were like me too, but now kind of stepped into their purpose and finding self-worth and being like, I felt the same exact way. The girl sitting next to you feels the same exact way. You just don't say it as a teenager because you act like you have everything together, yes. but everybody's going home, stressing about the same things. And I say now, like what you hate about yourself or what you're trying to like dull or that's making you a little bit different. You're going to love that about yourself in your thirties. You're probably going to build a brand about it. Like you're, you just have to know that this too shall pass. This is a season and no one tells teen girls this. And it's like the suicide rate is up like 30% and they're looking at all these pictures. I want there to be a safe space where women who have been through that exact thing can come back and be like, I get it. Me too. Katie Couric on my podcast was talking about bulimia. And it's like, if you look at her now and you're like, Oh my gosh, Katie Couric too, you feel like, okay, I'm not alone. And look at her, like what she's done with her life. And if I can just keep putting mentors, not even just with body image, but like sexual identity or a child of divorce, whatever's making you feel isolated, like a woman who has been through that thing would be there to like coach you through it, be like a big sister and just have these retreats where like someone is telling these girls this too shall pass. It's a hard time of your life. You're it's going to be fine. And everyone feels the same way. Cause I didn't feel like that exists. And I sure have hell, I sure as hell could have used it when I was a teenager. 
Yeah. Oh, for sure. And you're right though. You don't, you don't even think about the impact on social media and how it's further isolating. Yes. Oh, yes. that's that my heart, my heart. Well, to flip you, you mentioned something um, that I want to take a little bit further. So yeah. I want you to kind of tell your revelation on how you started to realize that actually eating more. Oh my God was going to be the the way you yes. you actually reach your reach your ideal state. I remember you talking a little bit about it when I heard you speak, but like tell me that part of your story. It doesn't sound right. And someone probably heard that and was like, what? She she misspoke. Like she My did, mom she, was like, oh she cannot no. be oh god <laughs> like, oh god mother, please tune in. Uh, I ended up telling my story uh, first of all a writing a writing coach made me tell it because she's like you don't have any credibility. You're not a trainer. No one's gonna listen to you. So I shared how much I struggled to show the reader that I get your skepticism. I was like, this is bullshit. You're trying to sabotage me. Eating more to lose weight is not a thing. But as I kind of touched on, if you are a woman who is working out and not seeing results, you know, you think you're doing everything right because you're doing everything that women have already always been taught. You're restricting your calories and you're working out every day. Your body has shut off. And it is, like I said, it's just trying to keep you alive. It doesn't trust that you're not going to work out again. It's like, she's not giving us enough calories. So we hold on to it. As soon as more calories start coming in, your body starts burning again. And you have to trust me. I said, get my book. I share everything that I went through. I understand your skepticism. A, a trainer at my gym was like, you know, you're so frustrated. I'm like, I, I'm doing everything right. I barely eat. I work out every day. And he was just very like, like, well, yeah. He's like, you're under eating and over exercising. You know, you just have to eat more. And I'm like, what? Like, there's no, like I said, I wouldn't eat carrots at one point. I have to eat more, but he, it was so like cut and dry to him. He's like, exactly. You just need to eat more. And it doesn't have to be, like I said, premium fuel, yeah. eat healthy, eat like, so it won't be as scary, but eat every couple of hours and you will start to feel hungry again. Your body starts burning. I eat Amy double what I used to eat and which was not much, I, I should be doing that, but I mean, double, I eat every couple of hours and it, it results in like mini meals. I'm not like sitting down and bombing my body with three big meals, but I, I find myself, I'll put it on Instagram sometimes. Like I always, I have so many times a day where I have these little plates of like cheese, nuts, fruit, uh, hummus. Like I eat those kind of like charcuterie little yeah. plates like all day long, but then I have meals and I have a glass of wine. We can get into that. Um, I have something sweet with my coffee every day. I don't feel restricted eating more, turn back on my metabolism. Um, my body started trusting again, that fuel was going to come in. So then it knows that it can start working again and burning. And there's one more step to metabolism. And it's not what women are taught either. Women are taught, do your cardio men are in the weight room and women don't want to get bulky. And I didn't either. And so I would like lift with like fives and be like, do, do, do not didn't do anything. When you start weight training and you get over the stigma of like bulking because your body is not going to do that as a woman. And everyone that pictures that big bulky lady, weightlifter lady, she's on something like your body's not going to do that. If you lift and you lift heavy, like much heavier than you are now, those weights that you're shying away from, cause you don't want to bulk you will get, first of all, you get tone. Like I have a muscle now. Yeah. I never had any tone when I was just trying to tone because it was like smaller weights. And when you put muscle on your body, muscle is the most metabolically active tissue. So you will be able to eat a lot more because muscle is going to burn it. So eating more and putting muscle on my body, the opposite of what we're taught, eat less and do cardio 
changed everything for me. And I, I was like, I have to tell the women because it is not what we've been taught. Yeah. And it's so funny you bring up that woman. I remember, you know. when, yeah, I remember four times specifically in my life when somebody was like, it's time to hit the weight room with this. And I was like, I can't lift that. You will get tone. You lift heavier than you are now. Don't go hurt yourself. Again, I'm not a trainer. That is my disclaimer. But if you were always with lifting tens, get the 12s, go up to the 15s. You, if you were looking for that tone, you're not going to have it unless you lift heavier weights. You're not going to bulk. You're going to tone. And if you don't believe me, the next time you're in the gym, look around the women with the quote unquote best bodies or that body you're trying to get. She's not on the treadmill. No. Watch she's in the weight room and she's lifting heavy. So look around. And if that's a body you're trying to like a tone body, you have to lift heavy. Mm -hmm. And I have news for everyone out there who, as a marathon runner, oh, my first marathon, I was like, I don't have time for strength training. I'm doing all these miles. So meanwhile, every bit of my body was atrophying. Oh. And then you get to the race and like suddenly you have knee pain, suddenly you have hip pain, suddenly you're cramping everywhere because you have no muscle to sustain 26 miles. So mm -hmm. yeah, the strength training kind of just matters like overall. Yes. But women just shy away. It's like yeah. the med lift and we do cardio. It's, and it's such a bang for your buck. If you're going to the gym and you're a busy mom and you have 30 minutes, get in a lift before I'd be like 30 minutes, I'm going to do the treadmill. <laughs> It's not helping you. Like, it's not cardio is great. Like, obviously if you're training for a race, please run. <laughs> yes, you should run. Um, I still, I'll walk now before when I was like in the mess, I was like, no, I can't go for a oh, walk. I, I have love to sweat. That. I love walking. And now, I mean, I'll walk like four and a half miles and every like top trainer that I've had on my show is like, it's lifting and walking and walking is so underrated. I always thought I had to run and sweat and feel but it's not like I barely run anymore and I come back from a walk or if you come back from a run, it's more for like mental clarity and just like the endorphins. It's not for changing your body. If you're looking to change your body or for a weight loss or something like that, it's lifting and no one's telling you. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love this message. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Because even as a runner, people are always like, oh, can you put me on a running plan? And I have to ask a few questions like, well, what's the goal? If it's yeah. just to lose weight, like honestly- Running isn't actually going to do it the no. same, the right way. Everybody no. thinks that. Everybody always assumes, oh, Amy, you must manage your weight really well because you're a runner. Yeah. Now, not, not going to claim that. Yeah, and I have to say there's one more step because I gave two. So it's eating more, yep. eating more often, uh, putting muscle on your body, and then stop obsessing. Like when I was in the mess, I would, if we were going to a restaurant, I would pull up the menu on the way to the restaurant. I would go right to the salads and make sure there was something that I could eat. I was constantly calculating calories and macros and it can be good. But when you are living and dying by your macros and your calorie count, you are living in a state of stress that is making you hold on to fat. Cortisol is a stress hormone. My life was cortisol for 15 years, just like, uh, I was like, I, I'm on vacation. Like I had to get a workout in and does the hotel have a gym? I was 20 pounds heavier living in that obsessive nature. Calm the F down. Trust me. If you just stop obsessing, you order what you want, but again, you check in, mm -hmm. you, you stop when you're satisfied, take the rest home. Your brain will be satisfied because you got what you wanted and not some salad with a dressing on the side. And then you leave still feeling deprived and stressing. It's eat more often, 
put muscle on your body and stop the counting and restriction. And it sounds scary because you're like, you don't trust yourself to not count the calories. But if you listen to your hunger cues, intuitive eating, that will take care of that. So stop the counting. And I'm telling you as someone that lived that way for 20 years from 16 to 36, I have found my best physical body at 41, not stressing about it. It's easier. Please trust me. Those are the most amazing tips. So now we're going to backtrack just to the yeah, skeptics yeah. out there. So first and probably most important, what are some of the things that that might be happening now that you're kind of looking from the other side? What might you notice when you start to be worried about someone with disordered eating? Like, what are they doing? You mentioned like looking at the menu and starting to have that obsessive behavior, but I know that this can be an isolated event. And then I know from my own experience, it was like one day this person was this way. And then the next time I saw them, I was like, oh my gosh, they have a problem. But there was so much going up until that, that I missed. So yeah. what are some things we can be looking for? If you're really listening right now and you want to be self-aware, what are you looking for? That are some big red flags. First, Amy, you probably didn't miss it. It's very intentional. Like you isolate, so nobody notices. And your in your eating disorder thrives in isolation. So it's I think everybody thinks the obvious is anorexia. Like obviously they're they're thin or they're not showing up to places like parties and stuff. Because for me, I anywhere I was expected to eat the food that was there, like I knew I there's no way I would eat cake or pizza or something. I would have a reason not to go. So somebody that's isolating. But what I need to say is bulimia was my biggest thing. Nobody had a clue that I had an eating disorder because I was puffy and bloated and heavy. I was the heaviest I ever was when I was bulimia, wow. when I was bulimic. Yeah. You throw off all of your hormones, um, binging and purging. I mean, I was, my eyes were all puffy. My whole face was puffy. So obviously people were like, something is off. Like I was not okay, but no one was thinking eating disorder. So a bloated puffy look is... I, that's how I looked when I was bulimic. I can't speak for everyone. And you think like you're throwing up your food, you must be super skinny, but it throws off everything in your body. So you bloat, puffy, oh. um, isolating behavior. And it's hard because if somebody were to confront me, especially my mom during my mess, I would have been so defensive. Like I am mm -hmm. fine. So it's like such a tricky thing. And that's what I kind of wanted to do with my foundation too. It's like, sometimes you don't want to talk to your mom about it, Yeah, but if there's someone that has been through that exact thing, like if a woman comes to me or a girl that's like, I'm struggling, I, I binge and purge and they're talking to me and they feel safe because I used to binge and purge. So it's like having somebody not so much confront them, but kind of like be a part of their life or be around there or, or put in front of them that has that same issue. You're going to be more likely to open up about it. Cause even if you see it in a friend, they're going to be defensive. Mm -hmm. It's like, they're not going to get help until they, you know, see the problem and it's a mental illness. You don't see how thin you are if you're anorexic and just having somebody, a story or something in front of them from someone that was in that same thing can be a safe space. Like you'll talk to that person more so like more likely than talking to your mom about it. Okay. So I love that. So you offered some amazing tips, which we need to trust you because you know, they work, you've been there. And so maybe that's the small step somebody could take if they recognize like I'm actually struggling. Yeah. Maybe the small step is like finding somebody outside their circle. Yes. Go talk to someone to start yes. here. 
Yeah. Someone that is a, you trust them because they get it. You're not nothing against therapy. I'm in therapy, but I just picture a, I don't know, a 21 year old girl going in and there's a man with a clipboard and he's like, tell me about your body image. And you're like, you don't get it. (laughs) But me or someone that's like a part of my foundation. That's like, yeah, I struggled for 15 years. I totally get it. You talk to them. It's not your mom. It's not someone that's in your close inner circle. Find someone, find a therapist. Like I, if I had gone to therapy, like for my eating disorder or gone to treatment, I would have had 10 years of my life back. Like get a hold of, if you are noticing that it's a problem, I knew it was a problem, but it was just the shame. If I went to therapy, then everyone would know. And I couldn't, I had a lot of, like an image to uphold. I was homecoming queen. I was prom queen and I was throwing up my food. So it was like, I had to uphold this. I couldn't let anybody know. So when you can release that shame and just go get help, I mean, I would have had my twenties and most of my thirties back and that would have been great. So that would be my advice. If you know that there's an issue, it's don't feel shame. There are so many women struggling. It's like not telling the teen girls that you're not the only one that feels this way. Just drop the shame so you can get treatment and move on with the rest of your life. That's amazing. Ah, so powerful. <laughs> um, I, I just, yeah, I think that's so important because yeah, there's somebody sitting here today. Like I have no idea what next step to take. And I think it. that's great. Um, I think I just want to play a real quick game too, where I just go through a couple scenarios with you Ooh. and I just want your kind of advice or your initial reaction, because these are sort of, to me, the innocent ways that like you can start to be like, Oh, I hear these a lot. And mm-hmm. I think when we think about children that we might be influencing by act, we don't even realize that they're seeing us or hearing us say these things. These are common things that I've heard growing up and you've heard growing up and we still hear around us. So what advice do you give when somebody says, um, I was so bad today? No, not bad. There's no bad. (laughs) Food is neutral. You can't, if you're looking at it as bad, then it's like off limits and it's more enticing. Bad. I was so bad today. That makes me feel like they're going to follow up with I'll be good tomorrow or I'll start tomorrow. It's not a start tomorrow. It is a lifestyle that's not good and bad. It's you do what you can day to day and don't give yourself permission. Like, oh, I was bad. So I broke it. Like I broke my diet. I'll start over on Monday. It make allowances within the day. You were bad. You had something in the morning, eat healthier the next meal. There was something so powerful. I have to find it. It, it, Some like, uh, eating disorder coach had like, it almost looked like jello shots, like little jellos. And it was like the whole week of three meals a day, seven days a week. So 21 days. So you're eating healthy. The first three jellos, healthy, 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 healthy. The next day, four or five, you get to the six and you did bad. Um, you had a bad, uh, bad in quotes, you had a, <laughs> a brownie Sunday and you take one out. So, and then the next day you keep going. So you eat healthy again. That's one little jello shot out of 21. It's not going to make a difference. But what people do is when they have that brownie Sunday, then they, they let themselves off the hook and they're like, oh, I broke it. So the next meal is a bad. And then when she took those all out, she's like, if you give yourself permission for the next day or say, start over on Monday, look how many more jello shots were bad meals. So it was like, if you just look at it as one thing, out of 21 other meals this week, and the next time you eat, you eat something healthy, it's not going to make an effect. Like it's not bad. It's just one meal out of 21. But if you allow it to be how I used to be, like I, I had a bad meal. So then you have a bad dinner that night. And then the next morning, and I'll, like I'll just start out on Monday, start over on Monday and let it kind of, what's it called? Like uh, control, continue to, mm-hmm. what's the word I'm looking for? 
I see like a continued spiral, then it's seven meals that were bad out of 21 and that can affect you. But one meal that was bad, just the next time you eat, eat healthy. And it's just this, it makes one out of 21 impact instead of seven out of 21. Yeah. That's what I would say. Amazing. Okay. What about the person that comes to you and says, I'm going to try a new diet? I mean, <laughs> are you getting married next week? Like I would allow that. It is not, it's not, diets aren't sustainable. It's a lifestyle change. And a diet is, it can work for a couple of days, but unless you are committed to that diet for the rest of your life, diets don't work. And then this is the last one that I think is most near and dear to my heart. And I think we'll segue into just how our actions can, in, or what we say innocently can influence the children and other youth around us. But Beautiful. I remember growing up and it was like a joke in my family, like, oh, my pants are too tight because I'm fat right now. I'm fat. I'm fat. I'm fat. So like, what do you say? Like, what do you do when you're hearing this phrase? And it's like a goofy way of like shaming themselves in a joking way. First of all, thank you so much for bringing this up. This needs to be talked about because obviously you're a good mom. Like you feel like you, you talk to your daughter and you tell her how beautiful she is. And she's so wonderful. How are you talking to yourself? Because that's what she's watching. It starts with how you talk to you and you may not think that they're paying attention, but if you're on the scale all the time and you're saying like your pants are fit or you, you need to lose weight or you're, you know, you fat, I hate like they're watching and you think about how you talk to your kids, but how are you talking to yourself? You have to model it. And another thing about talking to kids, like my mom would always be like, you're so beautiful. Or she would mention or say something when I was skinnier and it made me feel good. I don't compliment my daughter physically and she's a beautiful girl. I never say that you're so, I say, you're so smart. You're so strong and don't make it a physical thing. Like make, so you're going to talk to your daughter a certain way. Yes. Compliment her, but she's so strong. She's kind, she's smart, but it's not just about how you talk to your daughter. You could be a great mom. And that's what we think of. Like, no, I'm going to tell her she's beautiful. I'm fat. She's watching you. You're modeling what she will become. And we don't think about it as much. We think about what we say to them. It starts with how you're talking to yourself. You cannot model positive body image if you're talking to yourself that way. It's, it's, it starts with you. Uh, I love that. This brings me to like, I have a couple things before we wrap up. I could talk to you forever about this, but speaking of really great ways of modeling positive body image, you, I think a month ago, um, revealed that you had submitted to the sports illustrated swimsuit, like novice or, or whatnot. And I want you to tell yeah. us about it, but how liberating did that feel knowing that you were sort of handcuffed to this challenging eating disorder for all that time? It took me a second to see that. Like I interviewed a couple of girls that were rookies. They were sports, sports illustrated has opened it up for rookies. So you can be any age, any body type, but they were basically like, if you have a story and I was like, I could do this. I'm 40. In my submission, I was like, I am submitting now because there's no way in hell in my 20s or 30s, I had the confidence to do it. I didn't have self-worth. And so I was like, I am submitting. And Amy, like, I thought I had a shot. Like, I believed. I so I was though. sad. I was sad when I didn't get it. And I, my initial thing, like, it, it was like, here are our top 12, no, top 24. And I was like, oh. <laughs> and I'm like, well, thank God that nobody knew that I, like, submitted. I didn't tell anyone because, like... I mean, they'd be like, who are, who do you think you are? Who are you? And for like a couple of days, I thought that. And then I was sitting here right where I'm sitting right now. And I was like, 
the fact that I thought I belonged <laughs> in Sports Illustrated after hating myself and abusing my body for so long, that's the win. And so I was like, oh. women who anybody that has the confidence, if you submitted for that and you thought that highly of yourself, you won, especially yeah. if you struggled for so long. I had the thought that I believed I could be in Sports Illustrated. That's the win. So I ended up sharing. I submitted. I didn't win. And the women that did, like, obviously, like, well-deserving, but all the other thousands of women that didn't, if you had the confidence to submit, you have that much confidence and self-worth in yourself, you won. I was so energized <laughs> just by that whole experience. I was like, this is the ultimate, like, yeah. F you to the eating disorder. Yes. You can come out of it and find self-worth. Oh. Um, if I could, anybody can. And I I would have tra traded my like places with anyone else in the room, like most of my 30s. Like I just, I had no self-worth and no confidence. If you can get to a point where you think you belong in something like that and you're disappointed that you're, you didn't get it, you won. Like you didn't win, but you won. <laughs> you know? I love that. I love that. Okay. So um, we're going to wrap up like we always do um, the message to our younger self. And so I just want you to think about the realm of self-worth in general. And like, what advice do you give your younger self, the younger Aaron? Get off the scale. The scale does not determine your value. And for so many days I would wake up and my value and my mood for the day would be set by a number yeah. that only I saw, but I knew if I gained, if I gained, it was a shitty day. If I lost an ounce, I went down, I was happy. If you don't step on the scale, then you don't have that anymore. Your, your worth is not based on a number on a scale and you will step in. Like, it's like, it is hard my, to my younger self. Like, that's why I started Blue Butterfly. Like, you are feeling this way, and so is everybody else. You're not alone. This too shall pass. It's a, it's a weird time where everybody's comparing, but you are going to step into purpose and find that what you're not liking about yourself, you're going to love about yourself. You're going to build a brand around in your 30s, and everybody feels the same way. They just don't talk about it, and one day you will use your mess and make it your message and step into massive purpose and help other women that are right where you are now. So just stay the course every day, knowing that it's all purposeful. Such a beautiful soul <laughs> with a beautiful message. It's so funny you bring that up because I'm like, I once shocked a doctor. I was at a physical and he's like, do you know how much you weigh? And I was like, no. And he's like, what do you mean? Like I, I haven't been on the scale in a while, you know, Amy, like, oh. and for you to be a runner, like a marathoner, the six star, like, and not have it like kudos to your mom, tell her that, that you <laughs> had, you didn't have the mess. Like, cause that could have easily like trying to stay thin and it, it didn't, you can ask not to be weighed now or to turn around and not yeah. like a lot of body image people that I've had on have said that. And it, I don't let it affect me. I, I posted mm -hmm. on the other day too. I remember like I would avoid medical care. Like I'd be sick, but I'd be like, no, they're going to weigh me. So I would have oh, to see gosh. it. So I, and then I would like, you always like when I get there, I'd pee right away because it was like less weight, take off my shoes. I like had all the things to make it the smallest number. And I found myself like a year ago, I had a physical and I stopped at Chick-fil-A and I had like a breakfast sandwich. And I'm like looking at the time, like, oh my God, I'm eating really quick because I have to be in there in five minutes. And I went live and I was like, I am eating a breakfast sandwich before I'm about to get weighed. Like, this is huge. Like, you have to recognize, I would typically, you don't eat. You're going to get weighed. You pee. You take How off your amazing. shoes. 
I was eating a breakfast sandwich. I was like, oh, you can beat it. You can beat it. And if I can beat it, anybody can beat it. And I share just how bad it was for me to show that anyone can come out of this. I love that you are <laughs> celebrating every single win down to the <laughs> breakfast sandwich. That's awesome. Because people Where, get it. Yeah. Like you're, you're like, you okay, it. yeah. You eat. It's just, you're going to get weighed in a second. Like F it. You can beat it. <laughs> Amazing. Where can, um, where's the best place for listen, listeners to get a hold of you so they can just reap in the goodness in your, of your message? <laughs> um, I show up on Instagram the most. Uh, I'm, I am Aaron Washington. My website is squatsandmargaritas.com. Um, I have a blog there and merch, squats and margaritas merch. Uh, the thing I'm most proud of is my podcast, squats and margaritas, uh, wherever you get your podcast. Um, the bluebutterflies.org is my nonprofit. I named it after a butterfly that stalked me for two weeks until I named it. Um, so people are like, what is it? That doesn't make any sense. Um, and that's where women can go to be mentors. God, Amy, I would love for you to be a mentor. Um, when a, a teen girl reaches out, I have women in each of the topic areas where they're struggling. Oh, I'm going to put on retreats all across the country and I have women come and share their stories. And, um, I was going to say one more thing. My new book, um, just came out. It's called from pain to purpose, finding meaning in the mess. And it is available now on Amazon. And we are going to have that linked up and I'm definitely going to get my copy because I just love your story, but I always love to see the spiritual component. That's one of my favorites. You know, I always tell people like, even with my burnout, you know, you don't want people to hit rock bottom, but like there is a beauty after rock bottom because yes, you do have butterfly. this like spiritual <laughs> awakening that's so necessary. So I cannot nice. wait to read it. Thank you so much for all of your wisdom from lessons learned and your vulnerability for sharing it and just keep spreading the message. You're helping so many people. Thank you for spending time with me today. Thank you for this platform. You have a fabulous show and I love being on it. Thank you, Aaron. <laughs> I hope you enjoyed that episode as much as I did. It was a pleasure getting to speak with Erin. It always is, but I think she has such a natural way of talking about a very difficult subject, you know, body image, self-worth, disordered eating. And I think she said it best. She said, trust me. I challenge all of you out there, if you're struggling with any of the conversation today, any of the topics give it a try. Give Aaron's advice a try. Try eating a little bit more. Try doing some strength training. I believe that Aaron's on to something and I already know how many lives she's been able to impact. So just give it a try. At this point, what is the harm? So thank you. Thank you to Aaron Washington. All of her links will be in the show notes and on the website. Um, if you have any questions for me, you know where to find me on Instagram at Life on My Terms Podcast or via email at info at personalbestcoaching.net. Folks, this is your life. It's time to take control. We're shooting for 1% better improvements every single day, but more than anything, you got to live it on your terms. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>